This episode of A Tiny Revolution is brought to you by Reimagination Masterclass, a 12-week group spiritual direction cohort designed to help you move deeper into your spiritual practice and the life you are always meant to live. Classes in session September 22nd, so go to thekevingarcia.com slash masterclass to learn more. A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, so adult language is going to be present, just so you know. Hey friends, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. I'm Kevin Garcia, and welcome to episode 99. Yes, am I behind? Always. When am I not behind? I've I've been doing so many amazing projects that I can't wait to share with you. So thanks for your patience. Um, uh, Some announcements before I actually get into who we're talking to today. Uh, If you missed the announcement on the interwebs, I am publishing my book. Yes, it's happening. Um, I decided that I wanted to self-publish. a, because I frankly could not find uh, an agent or a publishing house who's willing to take a risk on me. And I said, you know what? I'll take a risk on myself. I'm going to put this out there and just see who it's. Because at the end of the day, like, I just want this book to be out of my head. It's been floating around in my brain for too long. So it's coming out in December if you want to learn more about that and become part of the book launch team or just want updates on what's happening with the book, you can go to thekevingarcia.com slash book. Very simple. Other thing I wanted to announce is I am uh, launching my masterclass. Uh, we're calling it the Reimagination Masterclass. Formerly, um, I was calling it a course in reimagination, but I'm like, the word course doesn't quite fit that. And someone suggested me, I was like, why don't you call it a masterclass? And it's like, wow, that is a good idea. And also, I'm not a master, but you know what we are together? We are masters. It's one of those things where like, we are masters of our own experience and we bring this wisdom. So it's like this classroom setting that we're creating is something for every single one of us. What the masterclass, what Reimagination Masterclass really entails is uh, one-on-one coaching with me, weekly calls with the, with the cohort of people that you're going to be working through, um, 12 uh, video modules, uh, working through different sort of spiritual concepts and praxis so that you can actually start addressing the trauma that you've been carrying and begin to change your mind about the reality that you're living in. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those things, it's, I've been really passionate about wanting to create some sort of group thing because so many of us um, just don't have it. We don't have groups to explore spirituality together. Uh, We don't have places to feel broken. We don't have places to bring our full authentic self without judgment. So this is the space to do that, my friends. So if you are out there and you're listening to this and you're like, wow, I've been waiting, I've been looking for some kind of group that I could be a part of, um, join me, join us for Reimagination Masterclass. Um, Things you should know. this is going up on a Friday, and registration is going to be going live on Saturday, September 14th. Um, so that's tomorrow if you're listening to this when it comes out. So go ahead and head over to thekevingarcia.com slash masterclass, um, and you'll get all the information there. Slash if it's not live. It'll, it'll be live on Saturday, but if you're doing this on Friday, um, you can sign up for my mailing list, and it'll be, you'll get an email about it. Um, so go ahead and check all of that shit out. And if you're thinking, oh, that sounds like it's going to be expensive, don't worry. You can break up the payment for this course into like 12 to 18 easy payments um, so that you're not breaking your bank and you are getting the help that you need and the direction you need and the, the, the community that you need. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you're saying, oh, I don't know if this is for me. If you're somebody who has been in spiritual crisis for a while or you're just like you have been deconstructing for forever and you're trying to reconstruct um, if you're trying to uh, figure out who you are and why you're here and what you want to do with the rest of your life this is for you absolutely this is for you so join me for reimagination masterclass starting september 22nd 
12 weeks of deep, beautiful, diverse, inspiring, transformative community uh, and spiritual direction and work. And yeah, make no mistakes. Like this is going to be work. We're going to put you through the spiritual ringer. We want to get you out of your trauma and into a truly delicious life. Okay, cool, cool, cool. What did I just say? Again, that's thekevingarcia.com slash masterclass. <laughs> Sorry, that sounded so cheesy. But we love cheese. Anyways, um, other things coming up. Oh, last thing. Um, big Queer Fam Weekend. If y'all haven't been following me on the social media, you may or may not know. Um, I'm starting this thing called the Big Queer Adventure Co., which is seeking to create... Um, powerful, fun, cool, adventurous trips for LGBTQ people of faith to experience healing, community, and fun, among other things. So our first event is going to be the Big Queer uh, Big Queer Fame Weekend here in Atlanta, Georgia. We're gathering together. We're going to have a kickback. We're going to hang out with one another. We're going to do some intentional healing practices. We're going to hear the stories of other LGBTQ people of faith. Um, tickets are available over at thekevingarcia.com slash weekend. Um, and again, all my stuff's on my website. It's easy to find, thekevingarcia.com. Go check it out. Um, and if you're somebody who is in need of scholarships, you're trying, you want to come, but again, like money's tight, um, yeah, reach out. We're trying to make some things happen. I'm currently reaching out to churches to see if we can get some money donated or like, you know, sponsoring some people's tickets. Um, and if you're someone out there who you're listening and like, oh, I have the means, I could spare 50 bucks or I could send an extra 10 bucks in, um, yeah, that would be great. Um, you can actually do that at, um, all that information is on the website where you can both get your early bird tickets, your regular, your regular tickets. And, um, the other thing, um, if you're a seminary student, I am right now I'm working on updating it because I kind of just felt this move in my spirit. I'm like, you know, I think that I need to create a student ticket. So I'm going to do that. We're going to be, um, creating a student ticket. Um, there's still early bird tickets available though. So if you are someone who is, uh, not a student, but you want a cheaper ticket, there's only like seven of them left. So you better get your ass over there and get them. Okay. I think that's everything. Um, Yeah. I'm excited about this. Um, also, the, this, the announcement for next week uh, is episode 100, which actually happened back during the middle of summertime. I just had to put it up because I've been busy working on my book and of course and all this other shit. Um, but episode 100 is with my friend, the Reverend Sarah Heath, and the phenomenal science Mike Park. Um, so please uh, join me next week for that. Mark your calendars, share it widely, and whatnot. So. Anyways, uh, let's get into who we're talking to this week. Um, this week I'm having a conversation uh, with the creators of Vine and Fig Co., um, Pat and Patrick. Vine and Fig is the fruit of many conversations between Patrick Weston, Pat Goffman, and our friend Michael Vasquez, who's been on the podcast before, realizing a need for a space online where queer Catholics could have our lives affirmed as true, holy, and beautiful, as well as the greater need for community. They formed Vine and Fig that they might lean on each other and show the church the fruitfulness of their lives. Halle, halle. That's what I love. A um, little bit about Pat and Patrick. Pat Goffman is a former seminarian, former theology teacher, and a former religious brother. He lives in Seattle with his fiance and is the editor of Reaching Out, a collection of LGBTQ stories from people of all faiths. And Patrick Weston grew up in farm country and going to mass with his family and holds Catholic values, especially social justice for society's most vulnerable, close to his heart. While it took some time to figure it out, he's realized that he can be gay and Catholic at the same time. He lives in Columbus, Ohio, and develops websites for socially good clients. Um, 
they're a really, really cool community. They have a great newsletter. So, um, you know, if you're queer and you're Catholic out there, this one is a big shout out to you. So go ahead and grab yourself something to drink, settle in, call your friends, send this to a friend, you know, turn your eyes upon Jesus, all that shit, and enjoy this conversation with uh, my new friends, Pat and Patrick, the creators of Vine and Fig. So uh, my name is Patrick Weston, and I'm one of the co-founders of Vine and Fig. And I'm Pat Gothman. I'm also one of the co-founders of Vine and Fig. I live in Austin, Texas, but we are in Columbus, Ohio, here recording this. Which is, uh, I guess, my my hometown, yeah. What's uh, what's in Columbus this weekend? There is a conference where people are selling very interesting bags, according to Pat. Um, There's a jazz and rib festival. There's all sorts of fun stuff. It's also going to be... Jazz and ribs. Jazz and ribs. And also 100 degree heat. So we have the true Southern experience up here this weekend, it sounds like. And unfortunately, even though Patrick lives here, I didn't come in town for any of those things. I just happened to be a flight attendant and I'm here for for work. (laughs) (laughs) That's phenomenal. Well, look at the Lord just lining everything up. That's actually pretty phenomenal, if you ask me. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's probably the also third y'all or don't have because y'all are Catholic. You don't have you don't say things like "Look at the Lord." <laughs> we we say "Look at Mary" instead. Yes. God, won't she do it? Won't she do it? Um. So let's unpack this a little bit. You guys are queer. You guys are Catholic, and you're not about to, you know, to jump ship on on the the good old Universal Church. Yeah, that, I feel like that's a question we get asked a lot or um, uh, like people even in Vine and Fig uh, ask us, you know, how do you deal with this cognitive dissonance of belonging to this church or organization that's not really affirming? Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's something, at least me personally, that I grapple with pretty often and, and think about from time to time. But uh, I also feel like I am Catholic to my bones and that I can't mm-hmm. change that or shake that. And I, I'm going to stick around and kind of try to push the needle and be some of the change that is uh, much needed. Right. And, and I think it's, the, it's pretty much the most understandable question in the world, especially when you see so many queer Christians who have created these amazing, positive, vibrant places, both online and uh, in real physical churches that are affirming and fantastic and it's totally legitimate to say well why wouldn't you be more comfortable in one of those spaces and you know i think for me it comes down to it being queer is an essential part of who i am but it's not the whole of who i am and um there's this bigger uh piece that is is kind of woven into every seam as well and Mm -hmm. that I've got to grapple with with both sides of that and and I feel deeply called to be a part of making uh the Catholic Church a a better more affirming place rather than just saying I'm I've got to leave for for you know my own health my own well-being and all of that which are totally legitimate I would never judge anybody who left the Catholic Church for those reasons um it's it's absolutely can be you know exactly what you need and what what god wants but uh, for me i just man i just i've never been able to let go of that idea that um but it it could be better and and 
it gets better by people on the inside really working at it really hard. Mm -hmm. Yes. Can I um, push on one thing you said that Please. I think is really interesting is so you said like, you know, being queer is an essential part of who I am, but it's not the whole of who I am. Um, there's also this other thing that's bigger. And I assume you're talking about your faith. I would posit an idea that maybe these two things is not so much that just like that queerness is not the whole of your identity, but that you, your queerness is as important as your faith. Like, you know, it's, it's like these things of just like, I can, I am both of these things. I am queer. I am Christian. And neither, like they're both expressions of God. Right. And so it's not yeah. that like, I wanted to, like, I, like, there's this thing like that. Cause that line kind of reminds me of like how growing up, a lot of people would say, well, you know, you don't put your sexual, don't put your identity in your sexuality, put it in Christ. And I'm like, I am like by choosing to follow Christ, that means choosing to be truthful and choosing to be truthful means being truthful about these uh, emotions, attractions, how I perceive beauty, how I form relationships, both platonic and romantic. And it, it is just as much God for me to go to church and receive communion as it is for me to engage in a relationship with my partner. So I don't know, like, you know, what, what do you think about that? Of just like, you know, like how, you know, how, what, what kind of, how does queerness like play into your life or, and faith like that? Yeah, entirely. I know I agree. And it's, you got a glimpse of my usual poor wording that it kind of came off as one being more important than the other. Um, I think I, I'm drawn, especially to the analogy of uh, that I, I read someone else use that kind of queerness is like a um it's a, a drop of wine in a, a a glass of water like it infuses every part you can't separate the queerness from uh your life just like you can't separate the the wine from the water after they've been yes. mixed together and yep. so and i feel similarly about uh about my faith that there are times when it feels stronger. There are times when it feels um, more natural uh, to my life. And there's times when I struggle with faith and I don't want to identify as a, a Christian, let alone a Catholic at all. But I've never been able to, I've never, <laughs> yeah. But I've never been able to take the, the, the wine back out of the water of my, my faith either. Like it's always, it, been there and um and most days at the end of the day I, I managed to be grateful for that fact um and and can see how both of uh those sides queerness and and my faith have made me a stronger better more compassionate person damn straight how many times like i tell i tell people all the time i was like listen coming out made me a better christian coming out brought me yeah. closer to god like I don't know like what other evidence you need of God's blessing, but like y'all are wild. Yeah. And the, the thing that I was kind of thinking of Kevin, when you were making your point is that when I was coming out, I was kind of grappling with what I thought to be um, kind of two edges of a teeter totter, which were my queerness and my Catholic faith. And I kept thinking that I had to almost like pick a side and I would kind of lean one way. So maybe I'd lean towards celibacy or something and, and kind of lean into my Catholic face, or excuse me, Catholic faith. And I felt like I would lose the other side of myself. And then I finally right. hit a point where I was just like, wait a second, why don't you just choose both things? They can right. be complementary of each other. Um, 
but also I've seen, you know, evidence of my queer identity uh, kind of strengthening my Catholic identity and also vice versa. So mm-hmm. uh, it was once I made that decision to kind of lean into both of them that I felt yeah. like I really started to grow as a person. And kind of like, I, what, I, what I love about the Catholic faith and like what, cause I, so I got my degree in music education. So the entirety of a music education degree is learning the mass. If I'm being completely <laughs> frank learning the learning the the structure of a mass why certain things are happening why these texts why this music and so i you know got into like a little bit of like mystical catholicism in college just because i was introduced to all of these different texts and what i find so interesting too is that there's so many parts of the catholic tradition so many stories like the stories of the saints the story like stories and legends of saints i'm just like you know, like maybe not necessarily like in the idea of like a sexuality queer identity, but the way they lived was queer in the way that they were breaking down binaries and barriers between God and God's people. You know what I'm saying? Like St. Francis, for example, is the one that always comes to mind for me because here he was like this person, you know, a rich man or a rich man's son who then breaks the boundary between, you know, the poor and the rich it says, because you know what, I'm going to go be with them and like gives up his whole life and then breaks the binaries between men and women with his relationship with how he developed uh, different women. And then, you know, his relationship with nature, like preaching to birds. I'm like, he's showing us the queerness of God, in my opinion, and how God breaks those barriers open. And so a lot of people, like they don't, they either don't have the eyes to see or they just haven't been told. Yeah, Catholicism is a very earthly religion. It's insistent upon the kind of belief that you can find God here and that God is communicating with you here and now in your everyday life and that you find God in the mass in 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 this beauty that you try and create through, you know, music and and beautiful spaces and things like that and that you can go out in nature like Francis and and interact with the animals and plants in a way that you know still feels kind of you know hippie and and pseudo spiritual and stuff like that but when you actually get down and try it for yourself you're like wow i actually am i'm experiencing the divine in in a new way and in our relationships and trying new ways to interact with each other like like you're describing in ways that genuinely are are queer you can find god and divine presence there um it's it's a a kind of a unique insistence upon the idea that god is here with us right now um and can be found all around us and do you i assume you experienced that within your own catholic faith yeah yeah you know i i, I went so far as when i was in my my good old celibacy days to to join a religious order that was pretty darn inspired by St. Francis. I um, actually, it was a mendicant order. So they were a begging order. I was living, you know, in France, um, in some of the the land that uh, in Southern France, where, you know, Francis and St. Dominic were out roaming around and they, um, it was, you know, sold all my possessions and said goodbye to my family for what I thought was more or less forever um, and just joined this mendicant religious order. And it 
it well i will say one thing it was abundantly clear to me that like i only did it just to like run away from uh mm. dealing with my sexuality at the time like once i got there it was like oh fuck what did i just do but uh, then i was there and i was like relatable. wow relatable because <laughs> yeah. i also kind of did that i uh, there was um, okay there was this uh how would i put them they weren't quite a cult but they were damn near close to one but it was like a it was basically like a co-living community of of like uh they were definitely evangelical but pentecostal evangelical but it okay. was like a place where you were supposed to go and live and like kind of live in this intentional uh you know vows of poverty vows of celibacy community where we're all just trying wow. to find god or whatnot but really it was just like turned out to be a bunch of people who were really ashamed of themselves and didn't actually know how to function in the real world um but that's another story for another time but the same thing i was running from my sexuality same reason i became a missionary was like i was right. running because if i do this holy thing if i fill myself up with the holy there's gonna be no room for my sin nature y'all and for me at least there was this sense that if i go and do kind of this big grand yeah spiritual act that folks will see that and they won't see this other thing that they were really starting to catch on to the fact that I was just, you know, a celibate dude, you know, living in Dallas, that I wasn't dating, that I wasn't doing these things that was expected of me as a, a good Catholic man. And so they were, you know, I was really hoping, <laughs> I, I put all my chips on the table to try and say, you know, to really bet that I could finally become some kind of, you know, good Catholic if I, if I did this. Um, Not even realizing you were already good. Exactly. Exactly. What about you, Pat? What is like the, is there any sort of like interesting, weird, mysterious things that you've experienced? Or so just I like... Always, uh, yeah, I always joke that Pat's life is more interesting than mine because mine is mine is pretty vanilla when it comes to things. I did not move to France at any point in time, but um, no, because I, you're I not think... as good of a Catholic as he is. Exactly, that's the the entire reason. <laughs> you know, he realized he was good all along. He didn't have to. <laughs> ah, right, 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 right. That makes sense. Good. No, I think I. Uh, in similar ways, like I dated women for long periods of time, thinking that that was kind of the path for me and, and that sort of thing. So I guess in similar aspects, uh, some interesting pieces of life, but um, no selling of possessions or anything like that. Um, but uh, kind of back to the point about um, Catholicism being kind of earthly in nature, I, I find that I'm really drawn to... Um, things like feet washing and like use of oils and music and like all of these kind of the sensory sacraments. experiences, exactly the sacraments too. Um, that, I don't know. I, I feel like that's really what, what draws me in. And when I say I'm Catholic to my bones, it just feels like I can't escape from that. And yeah. That being kind of the important point. So the smells and bells really do it for you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, and I think that's something that, like, Catholicism got really, really right, that, like, during the Reformation, like, Martin Luther was real pissed about a lot of stuff, but I think he took it too far in some, like, he got rid of mystery in a lot of ways. And um, getting rid of things like icons, getting things of, like, beautiful, like, really, be like, investing in things like art and music um, as ways for people to connect. Um 
because lord knows like i'm definitely going to connect more like when like singing with a choir in a cathedral in a space like that that creates beautiful art is like 20 times more meaningful to me than you know hillsong's latest pop anthem about jesus is my boyfriend can, um, can we talk for a second about just how um mysterious in a really similar way i feel that authentically queer spaces are because especially for me coming from an extremely suburban white background um when i go into these places where uh, you know queerness was developed you know as a uh, a way to to survive, but also to to find life and joy when you're excluded from all the rest of, of society. I am very much out of my element and and just kind of in awe in a way that I I experience similarly when I go into a gothic cathedral when I am in the middle of um, a, a choir that is. It just it takes me to this place where I'm like I don't fully understand what's going on, but I can tell that it's beautiful. I can tell that there's some raw goodness there, and I want to tap into it. And I don't even know how I tap into it, but I just am glad that I'm here in the midst of it, that I'm able to witness it. Um, and that sense of there's something bigger and beautiful going on here. Um, is is really powerful for me in 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 queer spaces that I've been able to to be a part of or or even if it's you know witnessing it from the distance of a you know a documentary or something like that like it it takes me there I think what I love what you just said the thing you said was um this thing about mystery I don't know I don't understand it but I am glad that I'm here for it I think so much of our experience of God is like wrapped up in this thing where like we're trying so hard to understand God or trying so mm -hmm. hard to like make sense. Like we want to make sense of every single thing because that's also just like how our brain works. Right. We're constantly trying right. to assign meaning and make it make sense. Um, and also I think that in some ways, well, yeah, I want to use my rational mind because that is a gift of God. Um, but the, the surrender to the mystery is something that, like, like you said, just like, I don't know what it all means, but I know that it's beautiful. I think being able to just experience beauty and let that be that. Like the point of beauty being beauty. The point of, of art being art. You know, rather than always saying like, oh, it has to be something. It has to like serve a purpose other than just being. And I think that like if we can do the same thing with our experiences of God. Like we're just like every single experience has to be this profound thing rather than just saying, you know, I'm going to experience God in a song experience. Like I can experience God in this conversation. Um, I don't know. There's, there's something about mystery that I missed a lot from my evangelical upbringing that I think friends from both mainline traditions and Catholic tradition have taught me more about what it is to press into that mysterious thing that is, apparently God. Yeah. And of course the great irony is that at least for us still within the, the Catholic church, it's this attempt to try and explain and overanalyze everything that's kept us 
excluded from kind of full communion with the church and is, is keeping the Catholic church from mm. a, an affirmation. It's, it, there's also, you know, we, we can talk about the earthly side of the Catholic church, but there's also like a super heady intellectual side, which has been around for a real long time and is not, you know, very um, friendly towards kind of updating things. And it's, it's because of a, a, a inability to, lean into that sense of mystery around um identities and as well just the the lived experience of of people that they they don't understand and have typically been marginalized and so um it's it's there's kind of these two very competing uh worlds within catholicism to mm. really lean into this mystery and beauty and everything but um, to also really overanalyze absolutely everything. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this. Like, do you actually think, like, in your imaginary mind, what would you want to see the Catholic Church be like in the coming, I guess, like, you know, like, there's so many moves within, like, different moves of Christianity um, towards inclusion and affirmation. Um, do, you th do you think it's possible? Maybe not in, in our lifetime, but do you think, like, is that a possibility for the Catholic Church to even consider moving in that direction? I feel like I, I have to think it's possible. Um, the Like Pat said, the church is very slow to change on some things. And I, I'm not naive, uh, and I, I think it's probably going to be slow here. But I also think that it takes queer Catholics living their lives to kind of push and be part of that change. And... I feel like I have to believe that one day, you know, I'm going to see two same-sex partners getting married in a Catholic church. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's something that I don't think we could be doing the work that we're doing at, at Vine and Fig if we didn't believe that that, that was going not only just possible but that it, it is going to happen that there's enough raw goodness within catholicism to get them there like if it's if it's rotten down to its core like yeah there's no point there's there's no point staying and there's no point in trying to make it better like it is just a go find a better place type scenario but if there's enough there that we feel we can find our own lives reflected in and yeah. find the ability to kind of expand their understanding of the sacrament of marriage to also include us too, um, then it's absolutely, it's worth some folks, tr you know, trying to, to, to push them into, um, uh, to, to get to that point. And we are absolutely a, of a mind that the, the biggest thing that's going to get us there is um, just Catholics being able to see other queer Catholics at church and invisible queer spaces exactly because so many of them have no idea how many folks that are standing alone with on a sunday at mass are queer they have no idea how many of them that just happen to you know sit next two women sitting next to each other that they're actually a couple they have no idea how many of their priests are gay like the mm -hmm. enormous amount of priests that are gay they have no idea how many of the men and women that are in opposite sex marriages are are gay um there are there's just so much of it that goes unseen and unspoken within um the catholic church but once you start to see it you can't unsee you start it. you can't unsee it and you you 
you can't help but realize that the church, it doesn't have to fully, you know, change and revolution. Like we're already there. There's already queer people within the, the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just a matter of figuring out how to love them. Damn son, you better come on with that prophetic vision. And I guess that's also like my question just in general. And like, this is heretic Kevin talking because I am so that's like far out like. of <laughs> thank you so much for holding space for my heresy um but that's my question like you said just like if it's rotten to the core it's not worth it and it's obvious that you guys believe that the story that came to mind as you were saying that was like the story of abraham and he's like if there's just one person <laughs> if there's just one person is it worth saving it and that is something that i wrestle with so much especially within, I mean, I come from evangelical world. So like, that's its own thing. And I look at evangelicalism, just like, I'm not convinced that the core is good. I'm not convinced that the roots are not rotten. And so it's this thing of just like, I have been so much, at least I guess like within the past three or four months, my focus has been really shifting from trying to advocate for churches changing and just starting to build spaces that are, affirming and open and i also don't really i don't know it's this thing of just like i'm i'm not a i'm an evangelist for love i just want people to know like (laughs) i still tell people about jesus but just like not in a way that's like problematic or like weird it's like well actually no it is it's weird because obviously it's weird but (laughs) that's just why (laughs) um but you know what i'm saying like there's just like there's that doubt in my head and i just i I go back and forth on it, like whether or not I want to be a Christian some days. Um, but then it always comes back to like, I, f- I still like Jesus and I can't fucking get it out of my head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get that. And I, I feel like that's um, kind of similarly how I feel to, about Catholicism. Like I just can't get it out of my head. But I also will say, at least with the Catholic Church, there are you know, billions of people. And I, I don't know, I just... I have this mindset that there are more good people out there than there are anybody else. So I guess that's maybe just me being a a glasses half full kind of guy, but. And the thing uh, is like, we need folks like you because (laughs) I'm not going to say that I'm not an optimist. I will say that um, I'm just a little, I think I, uh, I lean heavy into my realism sometimes (laughs) and uh well, so, Kevin, I will say that I am an optimist and I need people like you in my life to like bring me back down because I have, I get all of these ideas in my head of like, well, what if like, maybe I just form a personal relationship with some of these bishops that are problematic. And then I have people like you that be like, nope, fucking stop because that's going to be harmful for you. That's a terrible idea. They will chew you up and spit you out. So like, maybe let's start somewhere a little more moderate. And so I... Like, I, I would say, I don't know. I, I am a big proponent of um, it's, it doesn't have to, like, all of these um, d- different viewpoints as far as, is it better to completely leave the church? Is it better to um, work from within all of that? Right, and I think you need all of them. Honestly, I don't think that the Catholic Church will get any better without some folks leaving and saying, I can't take it anymore. Like, I think that the the leadership needs to see that, like, they're constantly losing young Catholics in order to um, 
get to a place where they finally ask themselves why. And I think that there are there for the folks who stay and say, I want to work within the church to try and make it better. Like there needs to be a whole lot of folks who say, I can't, I can't step foot within a Catholic church anymore. It makes me sit sick to my stomach, but I still like, I love you. And I'm glad that you're working towards that. So like, I'm just going to be a good friend to you on a Friday night when we want to go get drunk. And like, that's going to be my support for you. Like I, I think that all of those people like can and must work together and it doesn't always have to be this really explicit, like, well, you know, we, we all have to like, you know, make sure that we're there on Sunday in order to actually make a difference. Like that's bullshit. And it's not actually how real change happens. No. And it's not how we get people like to care about the things we care about either. And like, I did the I did the backwards thing like when I became you know when I came out guns blazing as an advocate it was either you with me or for me you're either for me or you're not and fuck you mm-hmm. if you're not and so I've I've gotten to the that's exhausting it's a very exhausting way of moving through the world um, but I think you're absolutely right is that for those of us who can and want to it's like can and like I want it's like I remember like my old church, I was going to this church called Grace Midtown in Atlanta. And yes, I name drop them all the time. You know what you did. Um, <laughs> but um, they were a church that I was super passionate about for a long time because I just saw the good. And I it, it came down to the thing where eventually I told them, I said, when, when and if y'all vote to adopt a non-affirming policy of queer folks, that is when I leave. That is, you have me until then. And I kept my promise to them. And... It was one of those things where like when I I stayed until I couldn't and I've still got friends who are still going there trying to work on change because they can and they want to and it was like I want to but I can't and now I'm to a place where it's just like you know I don't even even want to and that is okay because our advocacy should not look the same because if we're all working on the same thing our nothing is going to get solved you know yeah, I agree. I feel like we get that sometimes in our uh, Slack community that we have where folks will talk about like, I can't even go to church and other people will be like, oh, I go every Sunday. And it's this weird push and pull where I think everyone's testimony is valid. And the way that, it, that you have to live out your life is kind of your own, uh, can be your own little form of protest in some manner. So whether you're going or whether you're not going, uh, I, I know we think that's totally valid. And yeah. Um, yeah. Also, can I? What was? What is it you said a second ago? Oh, sh- oh! I just wanted to say to either one of you, if you ever need to go out and get drunk with someone on a Friday, you can definitely let me know. Always down for a ride. We're gonna road trip to Atlanta right now, so we will see you. That's Hopefully, it'll still be Friday night, but it might be pushing Saturday morning at this point. That's totally fine. I don't have any appointments till one p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so just Great. come on over, come on over, baby. I've got um, a couch that folds into a nice bed situation. My friend's out of town. There's an extra bed here, so phenomenal. You've got beds to stay on, you guys. Can't wait. <laughs> so let's um let's pivot a little bit to specifically talk about like what Vine and Fig actually is, because we've talked about our stories, we've talked about why we stick around, but Vine and Fig is actually an online community and res- like a, a growing resource for queer Catholics um, and people who want to know more about like the experiences of queer Catholics. How did you guys come up with the idea? uh why why did you like why now 
Yeah, so I think the first thing that kind of comes to mind when talking about Vine and Fig is that we really wanted it to be a space for queer Catholics to exist. Um, there are other organizations out there, but we wanted to kind of focus on providing a sense of community for people that um, sometimes could feel really lonely um, because a lot of yep. the, the queer individuals operate in churches kind of undergrounded in secret. Not always the case, but a lot of the times. So we wanted to really focus on the community side of things um, and being a resource for folks. Um, we've started kind of, we started out with like blog posts and videos and then um, have created recently a Slack group. So like an online chat program, if you're not familiar with Slack um, and started a book club and things to kind of foster a sense of community. Um, Pat. Yeah, I think we were, the 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 initial genesis of it was that we had been inspired and had received so much from especially kind of the the faithfully LGBT communities that were were out there, um, but also noticed that um, there weren't a whole lot of Catholic voices out there. And so if you if you wanted to try and figure out well how do I do this as a Catholic, you didn't have a whole lot of folks that you know, we're kind of out there as a witness and could kind of show the way. Um, and so we got this idea of, well, you know, okay, well, what does it look like to be a, a, a queer Catholic today? What, um, you know, where, where are they? Where are these people? And, where and are they? so it, it was out of a desire to kind of showcase real voices and real people and, and to be able to tell stories of, of what it's like um, and kind of those give validation to those lived everyday experiences because so many queer Catholics, they live in little bubbles in their, their parishes, or even if they're not, you know, at a place where they can, you know, go to church anymore or anything, it's, but they still kind of have a, a Catholic instinct in them. Like there's just a sense of like, well, I just read an article that another you know, Catholic school teacher got fired and that makes me feel super shitty. But like, I don't know, somebody told me that like, it's totally within the right of the school to, you know, justify their religious liberty and everything. So, you know, I don't know, I feel really conflicted and everything, but there's no, who else are you going to go talk to about the fact that you feel like it could be you any day now that is right. experiencing that. Um, and so we wanted to be able to at least give some validation to the, those emotions and those lived experiences of what it's like to be a queer Catholic. Um, but then also take that further and say, how do we um, allow folks to, to connect and to tell their stories to each other, to be able to have um, some meaningful attempt at, you know, learning from one another and giving advice to one another. So that's why we created then the, the Slack room for the, the that's a community that even though most folks are probably living in areas where they can't meet, um, you know, after church or anything like that as a, a, a queer community, like at least you have an online space where you can go and be safe. And even if you work in a Catholic school, even if you um, are not out to your family and all these things, like you can at least connect with other queer Catholics. Mm. I love this. Also preemptive ask. I'm currently planning a summer camp for queer adults, summer 2020. You want to come leave the, lead the Catholic affinity group. Thank you. Whoa, that sounds amazing. Um, it's we are going all in. 
I have camped one time in my life and I got a really bad cold because it was super cold outside and I didn't dress warmly enough. So I, I will do, I will do better. I'm from rural Ohio, but I'm like the worst person in the outdoors. No, it's just, listen, we all, the body has different gifts. Some of us are butch queens and some of us are fairy princesses. Like me, I'm a, I am a gothic unicorn. So yeah, I mean, I went to, I went to Joshua Tree and stayed in like this geodome, like crazy architecture building and was in the air conditioning. So I am, I am definitely not cut out for it, but we will do it for you, Kevin. Well, the thing about me and like camping and like doing a summer camp is that we're going to have cabins, we're going to have air conditioning, we're going to have like actual good food, um, good programming and drag shows and booze, you know, like any good queer Christian camp. You know what I'm saying? It sounds amazing. And I think Patrick's tent is going to end up looking like the the Harry Potter tent where you walk inside and there's like brass beds and uh, incense and it's going to be wonderful. So I, that is <laughs> I'm excited everything. about all of this. That'll be mine too. I, um, I, I wanted to touch on like one more thing, um, is like, uh, if you, if you could speak to like other, just like queer Catholics out there who might be listening, who don't feel like it's that they can actually claim both their Catholic, their Catholic identity and their queer identity. What's an encouragement you would want to give to them? Yeah, that's, Wow, that's it's it's a fantastic question. I would say, like, you're great where you're at. Like, the where you're at is because you've experienced some things, and I don't for a second want to take that away. Whether it's you've had some bad experiences within the queer community, or more likely, you've had some bad experiences within the Catholic Church, and that's super valid. And there's no way I can say that, you know, you kind of need to get over that and get, get to another space. The only thing I can offer is that um, hopefully some of those bad experiences that you've had, like there are folks who are out there trying to work towards fixing it and that there are, there's a hope for a better version of that Catholic church. And even if you're not at a place where you can be, a part of that um like hopefully you have some sense of hope that that it can it can get there um and if you are in a space where you want to work towards a little bit and i don't know what gifts you can bring whether it's some righteous anger or it's Mm. something a little more nuts and bolts but it's like you're you're welcome with us at Vine and Fig. We have a whole lot of all of that going on. Um, we have everything from university professors to high school students that are like just trying to figure out what's going on. And um, and we need more of what you've got. So if you're at a, a space where you want to, to share it with us, like you're just going to make our lives better. So that'd be pretty cool if you did. Yeah, the, the thing I'll add is that uh, when I was kind of coming out to myself, it was kind of this dark period of my life because I my main issue that I had was with my Catholic identity. And I was operating from this mindset of fear. And I realized that that's not how God would want me to live or... Um, uh, I guess it, I, I couldn't reach my true potential or be who God created me to be if I was afraid to just live my life. 
And um, so I would say I, I totally agree with what Pat said it, to kind of engage as much as you can or feel comfortable with. Um, but also I would say that to try to not be afraid and that, that people will surprise you. I was at mass like maybe a month, month and a half ago. It was uh, back in June during Pride Month and around the Pride season here in Columbus. And I was doing the, the sign of peace, so like shaking hands with the people around me in somewhat the middle of mass. And I turned around and shook this hand of uh, like probably like a 75-year-old woman. And she just had this like circular rainbow pride pin on. And it was just the coolest thing to see in mass. I chickened out and didn't say anything to her after mass. But um, I guess, yeah, people will surprise you. And yeah. uh, I, I think there's more goodness out there. But definitely be mindful, engage as much as you yeah. can. Yeah, protect yourself, engage as much as you feel comfortable, and maybe expect miracles. Expect yeah good things. So here's my woo woo witchy woman coming out for a second. I've been reading a course in miracles recently. And so I've been like, uh, kind of like getting a bunch of new language around love and how God interacts with the world. And one of the things um, they talk about so much is operating out of like, you know, a mindset of fear versus a mindset of love. And when we're operating from a mindset of love, which is who God is, it really does change our perspective. We really can open ourselves up to uh, mysteries and miracles and surprises, both um, within ourselves and within our denominations, within our churches and within the people that we're interacting with. But I think when we, if we only expect people to be assholes to us, mm -hmm. we're only going to find the assholes. We're going to find a reason to be pissed off. And I'm preaching to myself right now, to be honest. Um, and so if I can start seeing every single person as my brother, my sister, my sibling in Christ, you know, fully included in the Christ mystery already, then I can see, I can already see their potential. I can already see the goodness that can come out of it. And that's not to say that people are gonna, are not going to hurt us, that people aren't going to disappoint us, that we're not going to have to be safe and continue to be safe. But what it really feel like, it just, it fills me up with a lot of peace knowing that I believe in a God who still is working miracles. And sometimes the biggest miracle is just changing my mind about myself, changing the mind about how I think things have to be done and surrendering it to the Holy Spirit to really work however she does. Oh, I don't know what the had to do with anything, but it felt good to say out loud. <laughs> I feel it, it felt good to hear it. That was my conversation with the creators of Vine and Fed, Pat Gothman and Patrick Weston. You can follow Pat at P. Gothman all over the social media and follow Patrick Weston at Patrick F. Weston. And you can connect with Vine and Fig across all social media at Vine and Fig Co. as well as their website, vineandfig.co. Pat and Patrick, thank you so much for your time. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Sorry it took me so long to get it up, but you know how these things go. <laughs> Sorry it took me so long to get it up. I've said that line before. <laughs> 
I need to be stopped. I need to be stopped. Anyways, um, yeah, let's do credits and whatnot. Um, A Tiny Revolution is brought to you by supporters like you on Patreon. And if you don't know what Patreon is, it's the easiest way for you to support the creators in your life, making the content that matters. And I will fully admit, like, I am kind of a shitty person at getting the rewards out there. And something I realized when talking to my people is I was like, oh, Kevin, we're, su- we're not supporting you because you can give us perks. We're supporting you because we think you're important. And that really kind of took some pressure off of me. So I just want to say shout out to all the people who um, continue to support me on Patreon, even though I'm the worst. I am trying to, uh, in this next iteration of my life, um, be better at that, as well as trying to, you know, uh, actually fulfill the things I say I'm going to do. So uh, thank you for your patience in that. Um, But if you like the show in and of itself, go give us five bucks, give us 10 bucks, you know, become a part of the Slack community, you know, give 15 bucks and you'll get a, a free t-shirt every quarter. Um, yeah, we get it from, uh, from Queerly Beloved. That's another great perk. Um, I love you. I think that's, you guys are amazing. So, uh, if you've, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please, 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 please support the work or the videos or the blogs or anything else I'm doing on the internet. Um, any, anything helps. Everything helps. Cause Lord knows we are digging our way out of debt, baby until we can get Elizabeth Warren elected and get all of our student loans um, reduced and whatnot. Um, you know, we're hustling. We're hustling in these streets. So support your creatives in your life. And if you're not somebody who can like throw dollars around, I totally get it. We're on the verge of a recession. One thing you can do is leave a review and, you know, do that right in your podcast app. Just give us five stars and then share us on social media because it's the easiest way. It's just to share everything with your people and your friends. And I would love to, you know, you know, get introduced to more of your friends. Uh, I think that's everything, right? Is everything I usually say? Um, once again, Reimagination Masterclass, it's going live. Make sure you register. I'm only taking 12 people, and this first go around is going to be, you know, a pretty dope discount. So don't miss out on an opportunity to become part of the first one. I think it'd be really, really cool to have you in there. So hit me up if you have any questions about that. Um, additionally, what am I thinking? Mm-hmm. I think that's everything. Oh, the book. Big Queer Fam Weekend. All that information uh, is on my website, thekevingarcia.com. And that's also where you can connect with me across social media, at thekevingarcia. I think that's everything. I love you so much. Thank you for tuning in once again. And until next time, make sure you talk to your therapist. Make sure you're taking your medication if that's something you do. Make sure you drink some water. Move your body. Have that conversation that you've been meaning to have with somebody. Because I know that like it's like, oh, I just don't want to have this conversation because I know it's going to be heavy. I'm like, of course it's going to be heavy. But it's only heavy because you're still carrying it. So why don't you get off your ass and do the thing you're supposed to do? Be honest with yourself. Be gentle with yourself. And release all expectations expectations but go have that conversation you're supposed to be doing anyways i love you so much this has been another episode of a tiny revolution my name is kevin garcia i'll talk to you next week for episode 100 beach bye